This is Henry Rollins, and you are listening to Signal to Noise. Consider yourself lucky. This is Hank 3, and you're listening to Signal to Noise. This is Ben Wyman from the Dillinger Escape Plan, and you're listening to Signal to Noise. Welcome to a metallic episode of the Radioactive Metal Podcast. I'm Snowy White. And I'm Rock. What's new with you, dude? I think we have gimmick infringement here. (laughs) We absolutely do. So this is not the Radioactive Metal Podcast, but I have Rock with me from the Radioactive Metal Podcast. So Rock, tell everybody who you are and how you're doing, man. Well, uh, as you just said twice, uh, my name is Rock. I represent all the time Radioactive Metal and uh, radioactivemetal.org and uh, I'm doing great uh, it's been a while since uh, we've had the chance to chat I think uh, the last time was uh, when we did a special kiss episode for radioactive metal was that it? oh yeah 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 the, the lyric episode yes yes that's right yeah so that, that was fun and we need to, to do another one at some point yeah that'd be fun yeah because that's why I pretend to be Corrine most of the night yes that's right that was a good time <laughs> it was some good stuff. So thank you for being on my show today. So for my listeners who have no idea what we're talking about, um, you know what? Pause this um, recording. Go listen to Radioactive Metal. It's a great show. I'm a fan. I've talked about it on my show. I tell them on their show all the time that I'm a fan. Did I ever tell you how I started listening to your show in the first place? Did I ever tell you the story? No, I don't think you have. So um, back you know, when podcasting was still fairly new, I was always just searching for stuff. And I searched for something about KISS. I'm like, I wonder if there's any KISS podcasts. You guys came up. Really? It was one of the first KISS Kiss episodes you did, and I remember you talking about your KISS pinball machine and being so jealous about that. Oh, Like, yeah. he had a KISS pinball machine, you know? Yeah. And then you tell the story about how the guys had to fix a fuse. I'm like, oh, man! You know, I'm like freaking out listening to this story. That's right. And um, so then I started listening to the show, and then um, <clears throat> John from Iron City Rocks, so, you know, my listeners will know that I've also been on Iron City Rocks. Mm-hmm. Um, he's like, hey... Um, you know, we might start uh, sharing some interviews with Radioactive Metal. You know, I'm like, really? I'm like, I love those guys. This is great. <laughs> and then the rest, as they say, is history. You know, that's, that's how cool. we've all gotten to know each other. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, we we got to know John because uh, before he started Iron City Rocks, uh, he emailed um, around the time that the uh, former co-host, uh, the one of the other originators. Mm, mm-hmm was still there and I was just get started to get involved and John had emailed us about he had a question about the about the website that we had at the time and uh, so then I when I saw Iron City Rocks start coming up and then I see hey John Kenick I, I know that name <laughs> and then I couldn't place it and then finally after you know a few weeks I was like oh it's that guy that emailed us wow that's pretty cool <laughs> so yeah that's cool man it's been a fun yeah. small world <clears throat> oh, very All right, so I'm going to continue the infringement, and let's talk about our metal fix. And what have we been up to this week? Find out in our metal fix. So, what's what's your metal fix this week, Rock? (laughs) You're catching me off guard here. I know, Uh, man. (laughs) So, uh, hmm. (laughs) Listening to a lot of podcasts? Um, What did I listen to? Or today, I'm trying to remember today. Well, today I listened to Chris Jericho, uh, his podcast, and he had Carrot Top on. 
Oh, that was that. I love Carrot Top. Uh, that, that was really good. That was really good. Carrot Top knows everybody. He's friends with Vince Neil. He's friends with uh, uh, Vinnie Paul. Very I'm good kidding. friends with, with Vinnie Paul. Yeah, that guy's Apparently, hysterical. Apparently, Vinnie Paul has uh, you know in his house he has a huge house. He's at, he has like a Black Sabbath room that's kind of purple. He's got you know, and he's got a carrot top room that's orange. <laughs> that's killer. That's because they're, they're apparently they're really really good friends. So yeah, and I'm trying to think uh, music wise, what did I listen to? Hmm. Well, I saw that our friends at Focus on Metal has uh, they have uh, Mike Howe of Metal Church. Yeah, I saw that I one. Did not have a chance to listen to it yet. And I'm a huge Metal Church fan, so. Can't wait to listen to that. Yeah, it should be going. Yeah. Oh, 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 I know. Yeah. I, and actually, I wanted to bring that up to you uh, maybe later in the episode, but now's a good time. Uh, Rotten Sound, the new album. Yes. Okay. Have you have you heard any of it? I have not, no. I uh, picked it up a couple weeks ago, and man, it sounds massive. <laughs> really? Okay, I'll have to check it out. Oh, my God. That uh, Heavy Metal 2 pe- pedal? <laughs> yep, the HM2. Yeah, and I think uh, I think uh, the the bass player also uses it because whew, <laughs> it's it's massive. There's a song uh, I think it's it's yellow. It's called Yellow Something. It came up on my iPod today, and it's kind of it's almost doomy actually. So nice. it's it's just pounding, dude. Oh man, I I think you're gonna really like it because I know you're I know you're a fan of that sound, yes. in particular the, the heavy metal HM2 sound. So I think you're gonna enjoy that uh, that album very much. Yeah, I can't wait to check it out. So for my listeners who don't know, because I don't know if I've ever talked about this, you and I talked about it extensively. Mm-hmm. But um, so I love the Boss HM2 pedals, my first ever distortion pedal. And um, Rocket actually helped me track down the band that had the T-shirt that was the HM2 pedal, which is Rotten Sound. Mm-hmm. And then finally, like I ended up having to order it in some website where... It was in another country, another language, had to tr- use translations, you know, currency converters, all that sort of stuff to get these shirts. Uh-huh. And uh, so now I have it. And then, of course, the picture that I sent you recently has um, one of my HM2s um, in it. Actually, I think you have two in there. Uh, it's a, it should be an HM2, an HM3, and a hypermetal, uh, like an MT2, a metal zone. Okay. Okay, I thought it was uh, two HM2s, actually. The okay. HM2 and HM3 were really close. The HM3 yeah. replaced the HM2, but it was still never quite the HM2. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna, and I'm going to use that photo at some point uh, on our Facebook page very soon, actually. So. Sweet. So, <laughs> listeners, watch out for that and follow Radioactive Metal. Yes, and, please. you know what, since I'm just going to continue the uh, infringement, um, you know, um, waronmusic.com, when in Winnipeg, 91 Albert Street, <laughs> but don't really go there because the store is no longer open anymore. <clears throat> yeah, it's closed now. But it's I think I believe the website is still up and running, though uh I don't know how active it is. That's all right. But I like I can't can't even remember how many episodes in a row I heard that to <laughs> like the point where as soon as he said I just said along with it, ninety one Albert Street, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was getting uh, getting a little repetitive. But hey, Snowy was was uh, helping out at that store. He was working at that store, and he you know, he he wanted people to come into the store to talk Heck to yeah. him because <laughs> it was apparently it was pretty quiet in there some days. It seemed like an awesome store. If had I been anywhere near Winnipeg, I would have been there probably several oh, yeah. times a week. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> you know, <clears throat> all right, man. So my metal fix this week really isn't as metal as it could be. But um, I got two different recordings. And like last week, I talked about this a little bit. Tina Guo, um, she has a album, and I think it's called Cello Metal. It's terrible. But she does like versions of metal songs. My, my favorite is her cello version of Raining Blood. Mm. Um, dude, she's got distortion going on the cello. It's so metallic and so grinding. It's just amazing. Wow. You know? And then um, 
I I just got the album. Like apparently I've had it for a while, but I forgot about it. And it's called VK Goes Wild. You you use Pledge Music, right? You've been on there before. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I was on Pledge Music and just found this. You know how they randomly suggest stuff. Yes. The um. This thing comes up and it's this piano player. I'm like, why is it suggesting a piano player to me? You know, because I'm typically not a huge fan of piano music. I like, I enjoy it, but like, I don't seek it out. And then it says that she's doing this special metal project and she's listening to stuff she did. So she does like master puppets on the piano. Ah, okay. You know, and it's it's interesting. Like I, I've only given it one listening so so far, and I want to give it a couple more listens. Um, and then like Toxicity, she does that one. And what was the other one that I really liked? I don't have the track listing in front of me, so I'll have to look that up. So that's really been my metal fix. Oh, cool, cool. You know, you just you just mentioned uh, Raining Blood. Have yeah. you heard the, the Tori Amos version of Raining Blood? I'm not a fan. Yes, I have. That's horrible. Uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm glad we agree on that one. It's just yeah, not yeah. it's just not the same. Like, yeah, I was at work the other day, uh, actually uh, earlier this weekend. I have uh, all my music on there, uh, and it just plays on random. And that came up, and I was like the hell is this i couldn't even remember i was like i had to look it up so, oh it's freaking tor ah delete this is so bad <laughs> i didn't even i you know don't didn't even keep your song <laughs> so bad yeah it's just it and like i typically like tori amos and mm. i don't know it just didn't translate well for me I'd, I'd be curious to know how tori amos fans feel about it yeah you well know? they probably don't care they're probably oh it's a tori amos song yay <laughs> they probably have no idea what it is you know, Ooh, that's a weird title Ooh. That, right. That's probably ends there. <laughs> so while we're on the metal fix, um, you know the things that have been going on in North Carolina where they had like the discrimination, LGBT and all that sort of stuff, transgender. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was talking to a friend at work today, a friend that I really respect, and we're talking about things because like I'm I'm all for human rights. Let's treat people as people. Mm-hmm. And we were talking. I said my biggest concern is you have some wacko trying to say, well, I identify as this gender, and then they use that as an excuse to go in and be a pervert, right? Okay. Like that's always been, my, and she's like, no, no. And she's explaining things to me. She's like, listen. She's like, this is like a genetic thing. She's like, why would anybody choose to go through this ridicule? You know, this is genetic. You're born this way. And I started thinking about it, and I'm possibly about to upset somebody right now. But I started thinking about. It, I'm like, I looked at her. I said, so being a metalhead really would be genetic, because why would we go through the ridicule we go through? You know, like it's it's not a choice we make to listen to metal. Like we have to. Mm-hmm. No, not and, buying it. And 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 can, can you? Know, we can uh, push this a, a one step further. All right. How about being a Kiss fan? I think that's absolutely genetic. Especially especially back in the eighties, if you were a Kiss fan, oh my god, you got ridiculed for it. Oh, tell me about it. Tell me because yeah. that's that's why I came on board was the eighties. Mm-hmm. You know, and so oh yeah, yeah. You know what? Yes, there we go. So uh, even even Twisted Sister at the time, I remember having Twisted T-shirts, Twisted Sister T-shirts in high school, and people making fun of me. So, mm. yeah, yeah, I love Twisted because Sister of the, because of the makeup and stuff. So. See, yeah. we can't help it; we were born this way. Exactly. So, if I offended anybody, I apologize, um, or I forgive you. One of the two, <laughs> but um, really, like you know, like i'm all for human rights let's let people be people be kind to one another whole nother thing all right exactly we we've discussed this too on the show uh you know so we have deep moments once in a while i know show. you know we're mostly silly you know especially with corinne around you know she, <laughs> she has no filter you know oh, i gotta I know. say everybody uh, this is an a our, our show is a not safe for work show you know unless you're listening to in headphones headphones only yes yes and if you have kids in the car and you want to listen to us yeah, don't recommend it <laughs> 
not that we swear a whole lot. We do swear, but it's more of the content of what we talk about sometimes. It can be kind of a little dicey. For example, like um, the style of music that Snowy likes to play around Valentine's Day. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and there's this particular style that he really likes uh, called porno grind. <laughs> That's exactly what I was getting at. <laughs> oh, no, because I mean, you know, when we play, when we play these songs, uh, we, we always go for the gory lo- love. I, and I'm doing air quotes here, love songs, you know, uh, things that uh, you, you definitely wouldn't normally play for your Valentine, you know, so uh, yeah. You know, so but uh, he loves to bring up porno grind whenever he can. You know, so <laughs> it's uh, it's porno grind's not for me. I gotta admit, a little, little too extreme for me. Me too. Like, like I listen to that show, I'm just like, wow, like th- this redefines intense for me. Yeah, yeah, or yeah. Uh, power violence also. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty crazy yeah. stuff. That's just another one that. Ish. All right, so let's move on to our gear fix. So you were going to have a retro gear fix for us, man. What do you got? Yeah, because, uh, well, I used to be a musician <laughs> a while back. So I just wanted to uh, bring up a few a few, uh, few things that I used to own and see if you ever even heard of some of this stuff. Um, well, I started out on drums, okay? Try, well, tried to play drums. I, I, can, I can play a tune, you know, but I'm not... I'm no uh, Mike, uh, Mike Portnoy. You know. uh, I would consider myself more of a Ricky Rocket, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like do you tease your hair and put the makeup on and everything? Well, no, not that part. Just the playing part. All right. <laughs> so then, uh, then I moved on to guitar, and I, I remember uh, my dad bought me a really cheap uh, replica of an SG, a Gibson SG. And uh, but it had the headstock was a it looked like a Fender guitar. <laughs> oh, I've seen the guitars like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it was so weird. And the brand was a Tempo. That was the name of the brand. Never heard of that one. Yeah. Anyway, but then when I when I at that point I was like, well, I'm not I'm not learning picking up guitar as fast as I want to. I really don't want to play keyboards because you know I was 14, 15 years old, and keyboards are for wimps. You know, at the time I was I was heavily into Metallica, and you know, and this is when Metallica was underground. You know, when nobody knew about Metallica. So then I just I figured, you know, I'm gonna try bass. I'm gonna play bass. And if, if I can't pick that up the way I want to, then I'm just quitting music. And actually, I became quite good at it, you know. And uh, not to toot my own horn, but <laughs> I, I think I was one of the top players in my town, you know. That's so, awesome, man. Well, you know, it's not a huge town, but still, you know, I was, I was somewhat in demand. You know, so. Now, what's the big metal band from that town you always talk about? Uh, DDT. No, wasn't there another one who's, like, active today? You oh, talked to him in uh, French? Uh, Gorguts. Could you have been in, in Gorguts? Uh, Could that have happened? I was not into that style at the time when they started. Okay. Uh, I but it's a, a possibility, and, and I'm going to start that rumor. <laughs> there <laughs> could have been a possibility because me and uh, all the, all those guys in that band, we all hung out in the same places, went to the same record stores. That's we, cool. I Man. mean, one of, one of my friends from high school is the original bass player in Gorguts. That's so, cool. That really yeah, is. So, um, but... Uh, yeah, so when I decided playing bass, you know, I, I bought a cheap bass, which was a, a, a P-Bass replica, actually, that I got. And uh, really picked it up, liked it a lot. And then uh, one of my friends had a really cool bass. I don't know if you've ever heard of this brand. I don't know if they're still around, but the brand was a um, Riverhead. Never heard of that one, no. Riverhead bass. And, uh, okay, you remember the, the old Steinberger bass? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, basically no headstock, and it was a little little square at the bottom. Yep. 
uh, for the body. Well, mine had no headstock like that, but the body, I'm going to have to send you a picture. The body was almost looked like a, like a weird spaceship. You know, it, it, it was, it would flare out and then could flare back in. And did you, did you have a picture of you playing that bass on Facebook? Yes, I okay. do. Okay, then I'm like, I think I have seen that. Yes, that's that's a Riverhead bass. Uh, they made it in two colors, black, no, three colors, black, blue, or red. I uh, honestly black, thought it was a Steinberg. Red. No, it wasn't, yeah. So, and I had a, for an app, I, for the longest time, I had a little uh, a trainer brand. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know those. Yeah, a little Cube 40. I had that for a while. And then I bought, I had this big amp. And I can't find any pictures of it, and I used to love that amp, and I really don't even remember what the brand is because it was one of those really weird brands, and the thing was so heavy, so freaking heavy, man. And you needed two people to, to move the, the, the cab, and but I used to love that bass. But um, eventually I sold everything, and uh, a few years ago I decided that I wanted to start playing guitar again. And yeah. so I, I went and bought my, uh, my dream guitar a few years ago. Uh, I bought an Epiphone Flying V. Dude, that's cool. Yeah, it was a it's a replica of a Karina. I don't know, a fifty something. Oh yeah, I have a Karina Epiphone SG. Dude, those are so nice. Yeah, yeah. So I had I had a Flying V of that, and then I bought for the first time in my life I bought a Marshall amp. That's awesome. But it was it was the Zach Wild uh, practice amp. Oh, was it the little the one the the bullseye? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I had one of those. So man, oh, I, I used to love it, but the problem is I have I have issues with my hands. I have trigger finger, so I, it's really hard for me to play anymore because my hands cramp up real real fast, oh, and sucks. I haven't played in so long, you know. So I I sold I I finally I sold everything like a few years ago, but it, I, some days I regret it because sometimes I just want to sit down and just just try and jam again, you know. I I like I'm, I'm I'll listen to an old Iron Maiden song and I'm like, oh man, I wish I. God, I used to play that <laughs> on guitar and on bass, man. I'd love to, to to be able to play it again, but sadly, I don't have anything to play with. So, have you ever heard of Chord Buddy? A what? Chord Buddy. Chord Buddy. No. Yeah. So what it is, right? And um, I, I years and years ago, for an old girlfriend's father for Christmas, I bought um, I bought him this. I don't know if he ever used it. But um, he had a similar kind of problem as you. Like his hands just didn't have the dexterity. They cramped up pretty quick. Mm-hmm. And what it does is it clamps over the guitar neck, and you just push a button to play certain chords. Oh, okay. So it's it's you know so I mean it wouldn't let you play Maiden, but it would at least <laughs> let you play something. You know. Yeah. It just oh, makes okay. it easier on you. I, I'm always fascinated with all the different things that come out for guitar. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. There's crazy stuff out there. So uh, the other thing I wanted to bring up, you know, you, we were talking about the uh, HM2 pedal, yeah. the Boss. Oh, yeah. Well, I never had one, but I remember uh, one of the guys who I played with for many, many years, uh, he had bought an I- Ibanez guitar, and I can't remember what model it was. This We're talking about early 80s here, so I can't remember which model, but he bought an HM2 pedal at the time, brand new. That's awesome. And, oh, man, and he loved that pedal. I loved it, too. Once in a while, you know, he would let me use it with my bass, and I would play uh, uh, Anesthesia, Pulling Teeth yep. by Cliff Burton. That was the uh, whole reason I bought mine. Yeah, yeah. And I had a wah pedal also for a little while, really cheap one, and yeah. man, I would have so much fun with that, just trying to, <sighs> trying to get the same sounds and stuff. Oh, it was so, so, it was so cool. But um, I think it was a couple years ago when you were just mentioning when we talked about that T-shirt you were looking for. The, yeah. Okay. Well, I, around that time, I asked – I. I Message my friend on Facebook. I said, "Hey, do you still have your heavy metal two pedal?" 
because I because you were saying that you were still looking for one or you or I seem to remember you were looking for one. Oh, that. I'm always on the prowl. I, I have my I have my original still. Okay. But I'm always trying to pick up backups. Okay. So sadly, he sold his. He still has his original guitar he had, but he sold his uh, heavy metal two uh, uh, pedal, which uh, which is sad because I pr- I probably would have bought it off of him because I still had my guitar at that point. You know. So. Oh man! And you know it's funny. Like I actually had a couple back in the '90s, and mm-hmm. I sold sold those. But like I've always kept my original one, <clears throat> and like I bought them cheap, I sold them cheap, and now they're they're such a commodity. Thanks in part to bands like Rotten Sound. Yeah, you know, like they go for big bucks. Cracks me up. Yeah, well, there's a lot of those uh, a lot of those bands right now that like that the Swedish death metal sound. Yep, uh, that at the gates uh, pioneered pretty much. And and tuned, so you know, uh, Rotten Sound is totally in that vein, sound-wise. You know, not musically, they're a little bit more extreme, but uh, yeah. So there's a demand for those pedals now. Yeah, that cracks me up, man. It's just it. It always fascinates me how those things come in and out. Because at the time, towards the you know, like the early '90s, you couldn't give those pedals away. Nobody cared. Yeah, I know. know? <clears throat> I know. That's Great. awesome. All right, man. So my metal or my no, my gear fix, my gear fix is the new Kirk Hammett Ghoul Screamer. Have you heard about these pedals? I have heard of them, but I have not looked into them at all. So here's the deal. Kirk Hammett starts up his own pedal company. He's got three different pedals. Um, They have the one, the two, and the Ghoul Screamer. Mm -hmm. The one is essentially a Tube Screamer. The two is a Clean Boost. And the Ghoul Screamer is a Tube Screamer with some like fancy switch compression modifications. Okay. Now, okay, okay. Now, yeah, when you ahead. say, okay, okay, I'm not, I'm not a gearhead. Okay, so that's I, I mean, it's even a wonder I'm on this show because I'm not a gearhead. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you, but you've you got the street cred, right? You just proved it with your retro fix. It's all right. I, I guess you got it. You got this. You got this. So when you say a tube screamer, what, what does that mean? I am so glad you asked. <clears throat> so a tube screamer was the overdrive that Stevie Ray Vaughan is famous for using, right? The Ibanez tube screamer. Okay. And I remember back in the oh geez. Um, Justice and Justice for All 88 mm-hmm. right okay so around then I met my buddy Sean well you know Sean Iron City Rocks oh yeah, yeah right of course I do yeah. so I met him and um, you know he was you know an insane Kirk Hammett fan like everything that he did was because Kirk Hammett did it <laughs> so he goes out and gets a tube screamer and we can't figure out why we can't get Kirk Hammett's sound from this tube screamer because like it just doesn't sound anything like the Metallica sound because the Metallica sound is a high gain, super heavy distortion, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. And um, it's funny because one of the other pedal builders, Wampler Pedals, their podcast, they were talking about the same sort of thing, and I didn't even give it a thought because, like, now I appreciate the Tube Screamer. I understand what it's supposed to do. I'm like, I'm kind of excited. I'm like, oh, so I, I have a Ghoul, ghoul Screamer on order. It's on its way here. Mm-hmm. Um, the post office told me that it's expected to be delivered on the twelfth. And um, they're still anticipating that date. So apparently they have flux capacitors in a few of their mail trucks. <laughs> but we'll, yeah, we're, we're past that date, aren't we? Yeah, we'll, we'll see how that happens. But okay. um, <clears throat> so I've got one coming. I'm, I'm excited because I've been, you know, I've got a tube screamer on my pedal board. I love the sound that I can get with it, like that, just that nice overdrive sound. Mm-hmm. And I'm really excited to see what can I do with these switches? You know, what's it going to do? Mm-hmm. But they brought up a really good point, And I forgot about this. But Sean and I had the same experience. He's like, some young kid is going to get this pedal expecting to get Kirk's sound, and it's not going to be his sound. 
mm-hmm. right? And so the whole reason that Kirk has this pedal is he essentially uses it to tighten up his sound or to give himself like a, even a little bit of a boost with with his guitar solos and stuff. Okay. So it just kind of tightens up the distortion a little bit, you know, different ways you can, you can add the overdrive on top of the distortion. And I'm, I'm honestly, I'm still not nerdy enough um, yet, I'm working at it, to understand exactly what's happening. But I do plan on, once I get the pedal, to see if I can recreate it, see what I can do. Because, you know, I've got a thousand distortion pedals laying around here. Mm-hmm. So I should have a pretty good time with it. So the, the question is, do we have a wah pedal? I do. I do. Because, my my because, wife got know, me one a few years ago. Okay, because Kirk plays a lot uh, with a wah pedal on his solos. Yes. <laughs> Did you, um, so, again, Wampler pedals, they, um, they, they've had a running, running joke for years because, you know, the guy's name is Brian Wampler. And um, everybody emails him and says, hey, have you guys made a wah pedal? And if you do, you should call it the Wampler you know, and he's like, and you know, he's on the podcast like, yeah, I've never heard that one before, you know. So for April Fool's Day, they always come up with something cool. Okay. They uh, they released their wah pedal, and it, they called it the Hamet, right? So basically to, to make fun of Kirk Hammett because of the whole pedal thing. Because uh-huh. the other thing that Kirk kind of did is he came out, he's like, yeah, he's like, this is the first pedal company driven by an actual guitar player. And so all the boutique builders, you know, Brian Wampler included, like we're all just up in a tizzy because like um, we're all guitar players and we've been doing this for a few years. Welcome to the party, you know. Uh-huh. And so it's it's just hysterical. So like they turn on the wah and it's basically just like pig sounds and squeals and stuff. Like, cause, you know, they had the ham as like a it's just it's nice. really funny. Like it's all in good fun. Nice. You know, and it, I got to say, though, like everybody got got so upset at Kirk and gave him so much crap, but he handled it very well. Like, and that's the thing I've always been been kind of impressed with with those guys is outside of Lars, you know, I would say that most of them have still remained very, very humble and very grateful for where they're at, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of cool, and that kind of brings us to our main topic today. Record store day is this Saturday, right? April sixteenth is going to be on Saturday. Hopefully, I get the show out before then. Hopefully. And um, I know, I, like, I'm cutting it close. No here. pressure, no pressure. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, in case, um, in case this is late, hope you enjoyed Record Store Day. But um, Metallica are the ambassadors this year, and I, w- I was pretty excited about this because, I mean, you know, they came up in the early '80s where record stores, especially independent record stores, were really important to the development of metalheads, the tape training communities, all that sort of stuff. And it's great to see a band that's risen to their status still remember the community they came from and do everything they can to keep it going. Mm-hmm. You know, so um, we, you know, I was thinking about uh, some of the releases they got coming up, and I don't want to give too much away. But then I'm like. Who can I talk to about this? Because if I talk to about it with myself, I think that it's going to be boring. And I'm like, Rock. Rock's been talking about Metallica a lot lately. So um, our first kind of subtopic here, and this is because of all the shows and all the times you and Snow have been talking about it, like the last, I feel like it's the last five episodes. I've heard it so much. But you should be proud of it because I'm jealous. Um, Metallica shows we've seen. So what was your first ever Metallica show, Rock? Oh, I sound like a broken record. Only to, only to radioactive metal fans. My my, <laughs> my listeners haven't heard it yet. <laughs> so my very first... I'm old. Okay, I'm old. Uh, my very first Metallica show, I saw them on December 7th, 1986. And it was the Master of Puppets tour. And I saw them at the Colisée des Bois-Francs in the Victoriaville, Quebec. Just... Yeah, and uh, actually, I was supposed to see them in November, uh, the month before. But what happened? Uh, Cliff Burton died, 
So, because if you remember, Cliff Burton died on September 21st, I believe, 86 in oh, Europe. Wow, and that's then, right. Yeah. Yeah. And my, I had my I had my ticket and everything. And for the, the show, was it like sometime in mid-November? So, of course, you know, everybody knows they had the, uh, they replaced Cliff with Jason Newstead. And uh, what we saw on that tour was Jason's, it was Jason's first North American tour. They did a mini tour of Japan mm-hmm. uh, before they came back to North America with, with Jason. And then we saw one of his first few shows, actually, with, uh, with Metallica. So, And opening, uh, Metal Church did the whole tour with them, which for me was absolutely, I, you have no idea. When you're 15, 16 years old and your top two bands depending on what day it is, you know, our yeah. Metallica and Metal Church, those were my top two bands at the time. And for them to be coming and playing in a little little town in Quebec and for me to, to, to go see them, you have no idea how much my mind was blown, you know. <laughs> Dude, that's awesome. Oh, my God. And uh, I actually got to tell uh, one of the original uh, – members of metal church how how much how excited i was to uh to see them back in 86 because we did an interview with craig wells at, at one point uh we, when we did one of our album autopsies and uh, craig uh, graciously gave us uh, two hours of his time to uh, to talk about the album the dark and i told him about that tour that i uh, i saw them and he told us a bunch of funny stories about uh, about the tour and uh, uh your listeners if you're if you're interested in that behind the scenes kind of stuff, uh, being in the studio and how, of course they're going to get, gosh, if they say, listen to signal to noise, they're going to like that stuff. I was going to say, you, you've got the perfect audience for your album autopsy shows here because yeah. I was, I was just going to jump in and be like, listen, go seek those out. Cause, and I can't remember which one it was, but I remember one of them, you were like talking about the exact like drum sounds. How'd you do this sound? They were talking about, they flipped the Tom over and it was, and this wasn't the metal church episode, but they flipped the Tom over. They did this. So it was like timpanies. They turned, tuned it this way. Like I was on the edge of my seat listening. I'm like, Oh, this yeah. is awesome. Holy cow. Yeah. That so, was trouble. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yes, 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 yes. Cause that was, wasn't that the first one you did? The first, that was the very first one we yeah. did. Uh, we were talking about their first album, troubles, first album. And, and we had, so we had great. the drummer on and that's why he was telling us about all this stuff. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It was, oh, it was fantastic. So guys, like seriously, um, you will love these because Rock and Snowy really dig in deep and, and get into the recording stuff and, and t- you know, talk about these things. Like it's, oh, dude, I love yeah. the, the autopsy ones. Yeah. We'll, we'll give more details at the end here when, the, when I give out all the, the credentials and how, on how to find those episodes. But um, yeah, and then one last thing I wanted to add about that first Metallica show that I saw. Um, another, uh, there was a, a band in Quebec that was uh, getting pretty popular that actually uh, opened the the whole t- Quebec tour, uh, and that was a band called Sword, not the Sword from Texas, the, who's currently making the rounds. But this is an '80s uh, metal band that that was from uh, Montreal, and uh, my God, again, that was another one of my favorite bands. So I had my very first show ever. I had three of my favorite bands just playing at the same time on the same night, Man. and ah, oh, it was so great. It was so great. That's and awesome. Ne- never forget it. And that you said that's your first show ever. My first show ever. So not yeah. even just your first Metallica show, but first show ever. Yeah. Okay, yep. so that's pretty killer. Yep. My yep. first show ever was um, Kiss Asylum. Wow. Okay. So what year was that? Um, about the same year. Okay, eighty six. Yeah, it had to be right because um, Animalize was eighty four, eighty five. So I yeah. think it was like eighty five, eighty six was the it would have been the Asylum era. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And who was opening? Um, kicks. Okay, maybe on that show. I 
because uh, I, 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 cause I, cause I, I can I remember the show very clearly because my dad and I were going to it the first time and we get downtown to Pittsburgh and they're turning us away. We can't go to the park unless we're like, what's going on? They're like, show's canceled. We didn't hear a thing on the radio, but apparently when they were um, practicing, they blew a transformer. Now, my dad loved the guy, but like, he he, he kind of had his opinion about like rock stars, especially Kiss. Like you know, mm-hmm. wasn't excited about his kid getting into this style of music. He's like, well, you know, they're temporary rock stars. They probably just canceled it, you know, whatever. And um, yeah, we find out later they blew a transfer. I'm like, see, Dad. I'm like, you know, they're not going to do anything. And they're like, well, you know, if you want to get refund for the tickets or just hang on to it, we're going to reschedule. So mm-hmm. they finish the tour and then they come back and do Pittsburgh as the last date. Yep, and, I, just, I just found it on setlist.fm. Oh, excellent. So um, what the, did they open with Detroit Rock City? Uh, it was, uh, well, uh, April 12th, 1986. Yes. Detroit, Detroit yes, Rock City. Yes. Yep. That yep. show was amazing. That was my first show ever. Um, and my dad took me to that show. And except for one Kiss show, my dad and I have been to every Kiss show together. Wow, every every cool. Kiss show I've ever seen, my dad's gone. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, cool. and that's the thing. Is like, like, well, honestly, my dad's a great guy. Like, he, in fact, on my first Metallica show, he took me to that too. Wow! And he was there the whole day with me. You know, that's awesome. That's awesome. Hey, he's he's a, he's a cool dad. Like, like I, I think back about the stuff that my parents went through, and especially like you know being a metalhead and just. It, I mean, you know, in the '80s, man. I mean, like I don't know what it's like in Canada, but down here we had the Geraldo specials, and it's satanic yeah. and this and that, and you can't yeah. let your kids in. So if they're dressing in black, there must be a problem. They're doing drugs. Mm-hmm. And my parents were like, sitting down, you know, not to do these things. Let's listen to music. Why are people getting upset about this? Okay, let's go to the show, you know? So, mm-hmm. and, and I'm like, all right, let's go. Like, I didn't, I, and I mean, maybe I was a weird kid, but I, I didn't care that my dad was there. I was so excited to go. I don't care. Dude, I don't care dude. how I got there. He's there. Sure. You know, he's obviously the cool parent because. Other kids weren't allowed to go, so yeah, you know. Yeah, exactly. See for see uh, for me, the only other band I would have liked to see as my very very first show ever would have been Kiss. So I'm jealous of you. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. So so we, we kind of trade off here. Exactly. All right. So my first Metallica show mm-hmm. was 1988 again in Pittsburgh. It was at the um, the old Three River Stadium before it was torn down. Long before it was torn down. Mm-hmm. Uh, Monsters of Rock. And that's that's where it would have been. Oh, geez, maybe this one was Kicks, Kicks, Dawkin, no, Kingdom Come, yes, Kingdom you know, Come, yeah. Dawkin, Metallica, Scorpions, and then Van Halen. Yep. In that order. Yep. Yep. Back then, oh man, I would have uh, I would have given the left arm to be there. That and that is still hands down one of the coolest concerts I've been to. Because I mean, all those bands were great. Like I, I wasn't even a Dawkin fan, but eh, they were okay. Mm. Um, I still got issues with Doc and Horn of the story, but the Scorpions were flawless live. Yeah. Like it sounded like the record. Yeah, I'm like, man, these guys were so good. And dude, Metallica's first time I ever saw them. Like, oh, and they were debuting material off of Justice because Justice was getting ready to come out. Just you know, mm-hmm. a couple months later. Yep, as fantastic. Yeah, I was a fan of uh, Kingdom Come back then. That that first album, I really liked it. And uh, sad to say. Of all the bands that you saw on there, I've only seen Kiss. Uh, I mean, I've only seen Metallica. I haven't seen any of those other bands. Live. Really? I've, I saw Don Dawkins a couple years ago here at the 80s in the park, but it was an acoustic set that he did. So it was just him and another guy playing, and 
you know, singing songs. Wow. But I've never seen any of those other bands live. Never I, seen Van Halen, never seen Scorpions. It's a bummer you didn't get to see the Scorps, because they were amazing. Mm, yeah, back then, yeah, I would have liked it, but today, nah, I wouldn't care. Yeah, I know. Like, today, I'm like, eh, it's all right. <laughs> I'm with you. All right, so what about your next Metallica show? Because you've seen them twice as much as I have. Yeah, I've seen them four times. So, my, so take us through this here. My my next Metallica show was actually my second show ever, <laughs> which was about uh, a little less than three years later. Um, I saw them in uh, on April 12th, 1989, and it was on the Justice Tour. And I saw them at the Montreal Forum, and uh, Queensryche was opening. And that was uh, the Queensryche were uh, uh, touring for Operation Mindcrime at the time. Yep, my buddy Sean got to go to that show in Pittsburgh. Yeah, yeah. So, oh man, that was great. Um, the only thing is that we got there a little late because it was our, my, well, all of us, it was all our first time getting, going to the Forum because it was me, uh, one of my really good friends, and his girlfriend. And we got there a little late, and as we're going up the uh, the escalator to go through, because we had nosebleed seats, and as we're going up the escalator, Queen's Right started playing, and they were they opened with Queen of the Reich, and we were freaking out in the <laughs> in the in the escalator, like, oh my god, we're missing Queen of the Reich. Ah! <laughs> so we got to our seats, and they were really bad seats. We we're like completely side stage and all the way up nosebleeds. So my friend said, "Let's go try and get lower." So. We ran down, and uh, Queen's Rock is still playing, you know, <laughs> during this time. And uh, this is a, at the time, you know, in '89, you wouldn't be able to get away with this today uh, in any major arena, because now they've got uh, ushers everywhere checking your tickets, making sure you're going to the right section. Oh yeah. But, but we just went, you know, we went down, and we went uh, all the way at the end of the ice, you know, where, you, where you behind like the the, the hockey goalie. You yeah. Know? And uh, we went there, and uh, we squeezed in in a row, you know, because my 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 friend's uh, girlfriend was kind of hot. So <laughs> she she tapped a guy on the shoulder, said, "Hey, can we?" She said, "Can we squeeze into this this into your row?" And the guy's like, "Yeah," because everybody was standing anyway. So we all squeezed in. I was right on the edge. I had a, I had a one foot on the row, and I'm one foot in, in the stairs. <laughs> it's not very comfortable, but man, it was such a great show. Uh, seeing uh, Lady Justice fall apart with all the pyro, and man, we had never seen anything like that. Oh. You know, that was my first time seeing like a stage show. Yeah, you know? ne- never got to see that tour at all because it it came so close. Like for us to um, the what, what should I just say? I saw Monsters of Rock. Like mm-hmm. you know, I, I basically like I, I had my budget. Like if I wanted to see a concert, I had to really pick what I wanted to see that year. I'd, well, I, I was lucky too. to get like one a year. Yeah. You know? Not like Snow in his fifty-seven. Yeah, well, yeah. See, me too. At the time, I, I, I had no money. You know, I was uh, by that point, I was was I was in college at that point, so I had no freaking money. So, so I had to pick and choose, and you know, and so that's why it took three years for me to go, you know, to see my first two shows. You know, then after that, you know, when I started working and all that, then I started seeing a lot more shows. But uh, yeah. Yeah, those those uh, those lean years were tough, man. Because there's a lot of shows I wanted to go see. Oh, dude, I'm with you. You know, it's funny though. Like you talk about your your friend's hot girlfriend. Mm-hmm. It when I think back to like the 80s and early 90s, having a hot girl with you at a concert really was like currency. Yes, yeah. because you know, like, like, as as you pointed out here, you could have her convince people to do a lot for you. Yep. You know, I wouldn't say almost anything, but a lot. Yeah, yeah, because you know, for us to squeeze into that row of, with the seats and all that, it was tight. So you know, for those people to to move, you know, it's yeah. like 
it wasn't just like a couple people moving. It was like at least half the row wow. <laughs> of people having to scoot down a little bit. And the people in the middle of the row are probably wondering, what the fuck is going on? Why is it so... Oh, I'm sorry. I'm not supposed to swear. That's you'll all have, right. You'll have to bleep that out. Uh, I don't know how to bleep, so we'll just leave it in. Maybe I'll do something else. Who knows? <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> ah, it could be worse. <laughs> so, yeah. So, that was my, my second time seeing Metallica in 89 on the, on the Puppets Tour. Not the Puppets. Where am I saying? Injustice Tour. Justice. Yeah. All right, so how about your next time? So next time after that was two years later was uh, for the Black Album. Uh, they came and played, you know, gosh, they played for like, what, three years on that tour? Oh, I, I felt like it was forever, yeah. And that, yeah. that was my second and final Metallica show. Yeah, I saw them. It was it was uh, early on that tour because they came and played the Montreal Forum again. The, the album was just starting to really, like, take off, you know? Yeah. So it was on November 17th, 1991 at the Montreal Forum again. And there was no opener for this. I was going to ask because they did, did the same thing in Pittsburgh. No opener, just them, which was amazing. Yeah. And they played like, what, at least two hours. Oh, yeah. Two, two and a half maybe. Like it was, yeah. a, it was a long show. Yeah. And I remember uh, by that point I had, you know, I had been to a few, a few shows. And uh, one of my, my, my best friend. Uh, who's still my best friend, but he still he lives in Canada. Um, he uh, that was his first show ever. He's you know was seeing that Metallica show. Wow! And man, he was he was in seventh heaven. <laughs> he absolutely loved it. All right. So now you'd mentioned earlier, and I'm going to kind of give this away. You went to another Metallica show, and that was for which tour? Uh, I don't know if I want to say it. <laughs> well, go ahead, go ahead, because cause this is this kind of ties into why I've only seen two Metallica shows. Okay, I saw them on the Load tour. So, did you want to go? Were you curious? Like, why did you go see that tour? Because I couldn't bring myself to even care. You know, it's so funny because on our latest episode that we are releasing, that is out now. Okay. The, the, okay. We actually talk about this. Oh, that's awesome! All right. <laughs> because of our of our of our creature feature this week, <laughs> so. Um, well, then you give us the abridged version then, because I'm, I'm behind on my episodes. This can be weeks before I catch up. Yeah. Well, you know, I, what happens is that um, was fresh out of college at this point, and oh no, not fresh out of college. No, it was like three three years out of college, but. Uh, one of one of my good friends who I met in college um, had moved to Quebec City. I was still in my hometown in Sherbrooke, Quebec, and uh, his girlfriend calls me out of the blue, and she goes, "Hey, it's uh, it's his birthday soon," and she said, uh, "I want to buy him uh, Metallica tickets, and uh, would you like to go with him?" I was like, "Oh man, I don't know. It's the load tour, but I hadn't seen him in like three years." Yeah. She's like, "She's like, yeah, you can crash at our place and stuff." I was like. Okay, I'll 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 make the three hour drive, you know. So, so that's why I went, and uh, one of the big reasons why I went, and this is ties into our last episode, our our current episode, is that uh, Corrosion of Conformity were opening. Oh, okay. And that was for the album Deliverance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was for that tour. So, and my friend, he was a huge Corrosion of Conformity fan. I introduced him to that while we were in college, and uh, with the Blind <laughs> album. And he absolutely he loved them. So, he, for him to see Metallica and Corrosion, you know, was was his dream concert. So, so yeah. And this this was the concert that I don't know if people have seen footage of, but uh, it's the one where there's a lighting guy that catches fire, really, and and, and falls and he falls down. The, the there's like a you know he's in a harness and he, he he jumps down and he's on fire and they they come out and pull pull put him out and stuff. Holy crap. 
Oh, and it, it was a, the concert was in the round also. Wow! So it it was great, man. There was a, they did a lot of cool stuff. They came out and started the the concert with the song "So What." Yep. Yeah, I know the song. Yeah, yeah, and uh, they started with that, and they came and played through the crowd. They they started playing in the uh, in in the in the dressing room. Lars came out by himself, and they they started playing in the in the dressing room, and they all came out running, you know, to to to, to the stage, and uh, oh, it, it was a great show. I was like. Too bad the album sucked, but you know. that was kind of going to be my question: Is was the show still worth it? Yeah, oh yeah, it, yeah, it was. It was. Even though they played King Nothing, and I didn't really care for King Nothing, but they premiered also a song off of Reload. <clears throat> they played Fueled. Really? Yeah, and they said, "Hey, this is going to be on our next album. Check it out. You know, tell us if you love it." And then they start Fueled, and I love Fueled, and I was like, "Holy shit!" Ah, sorry again. <laughs> ah, it, it, you know, at this point, <laughs> we're good. I said, holy crap. <laughs> I said, holy crap, this next album is going to be really good because I, I was like, give me fuel, give me fire. I was like, oh, this is great. And I was disappointed again <laughs> when the album came out. But I was glad to see the song live, you know, played uh, played live, you know. So I actually, I got to see at least that song live <laughs> off of that album. So. But yeah, it was a it was a great show actually. I'm, I'm I'm glad that I did go. See, you're making me wish I would have gone because I because I had the opportunity to go to these later shows, but just load and reload. I like I, I think the albums are terrible. The Black album, I am still torn on. I'm still not a huge fan. Okay. I I just I I, I have a rough time coming to terms with it. And when I went to the Black Album tour, like I was excited, man. Like just a couple hours, and it's just Metallica, no opener. I'm like, oh, this is gonna because I mean, you know, on Monster Rock in '88, I got a show, but I didn't get a headliner show. That's you know? right, yeah, yeah. So it was like a teaser. Yeah. So to get to see them now, I'm like, this is great. You know, they're getting the recognition they deserve. And again, like I was still on the fence about the Black Album, and then I get there. And this kind of ties into what we said in the beginning about, you know, being a metalhead's genetic, because I'm realizing that all the people that are in the really expensive seats really aren't metalheads. Yeah. They were all the people that were there for all the big MTV hits. And I'm looking around and I'm like, oh, man. I'm like, like the same people that back in 88 gave me crap. For liking this band and, you know, what do you mean you listen to one? It's stupid. Johnny got his gun. What's that about? You know, mm-hmm. is now like Metallica is the best band ever. I got their first record, the Black Album. I'm like, <laughs> OK, like, yeah. like it just it just it was painful. And then like load comes out. I'm like, oh, kick me while I'm down and then reload. Yeah, I know. And, and, and so and they had short hair. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that really hurt. Like, I know. <laughs> that really hurt. It's like, OK, you know, I'm like, oh. But then for me, and I don't know about for you, again, so like that, that's kind of why I stopped going to, going to the shows. Because at that point, I'm like, yeah, you know what? It's, it's not for me anymore, you know? But I um, usually play friggin' stadiums, and I don't like stadium shows. Yeah, I'm not, not a huge fan anymore, you know? Not, not of the, like I, back in the day, I used to enjoy them. Yeah. But um, now, like when St. Anger came out, mm-hmm. other than the snare drum sound, I loved that record. I liked it too. Uh, I like you. Uh, beside the the uh, the snare drum, a little annoying, but I liked it in general. Yeah, like I th- I thought it was a great record. Like for me, that's the album I wanted to hear after Justice. Mm-hmm. Like because yeah. to, to me that shows the growth regression. Like oh, you know, let's try something new. Like I, that is the album I've been waiting for. Mm-hmm. You know. Now, do you have the version with the DVD? No, 
Okay, because I have the version that came with the DVD, and uh, the actually you actually see them. They play the whole album in sequence in their practice room, and I actually like it even better than the than the studio recording because the the, the snare drum is not is not as prevalent, and and they're playing all the songs live, and uh, it's great. And it's uh, Robert Trujillo is actually playing. Oh, that's killer on, on there. So uh, that's if anybody you know if you if you're on the fence with Saint Anger. Try to hunt down. I'm sure it's cheap. <laughs> Try to hunt down a copy of Saint Anger with the one, the version with the DVD, and watch the DVD, and you'll 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 like you'll actually like the songs. That, see, that's cool. I have to look for that now. Cause like I said, I already like the album. I would love to see it like that. Yeah. Because right. and this is where like you know I listen to that album. Somebody needs to take Lars aside and be like, listen, um, that snare drum sound sucked. <laughs> Your performance on Death Magnetic, you phoned it in. So for whatever's happening now here in 2016, um, and yeah, we're kind of coming to that topic, but like let's let's do something exciting. Like I, I feel like Lars is a weak link sometimes, and I'm sure I'm going to get hate mail over that one. I, but you're not the only one to say that. Yeah, just uh, you know. And the thing is, like I do, I, like I like all of them. Like I like the guys, but there's times like, come on, man, you could do more. You mm-hmm. could. I think you could. But that brings us to. The main topic, the whole reason that this started here, the record store day ambassadors, um, they're doing uh, a lot of a lot of releases for record store day. Like I'm kind of kind of really excited about everything that they're putting out. Two deluxe editions. Um, the one, the thing that really impressed me is the concert that they did, and I am terrible with things that are going on in the world. But the Paris attacks that happened, mm-hmm. apparently they played the venue that that took a lot of the. Um, like I guess the, the most amount of damage, and so they are putting that um, a live recording of a concert they played at that venue, and all the proceeds are going to charity. Yep. You know, so that's I mean that's impressive. Like like you know, while I may not be enjoying the albums as much as I used to, um, I've still got hope for this album here in 2016. But then the the question that spurred this whole thing was: so are you more excited for the box sets of the old stuff? So. Kill 'em all box set, like five vinyl albums, five CDs, a DVD, booklets. Same thing for um, the Ride the Lightning album. You know, remasters, all these basement tapes, and all that sort of stuff, and like all these really, really cool stuff that I would have loved to have gotten my hands on back in you know eighty, you know, whatever those were coming out, like eighty two mm-hmm. to eighty four. Mm-hmm. You know, eighty five. Are you more excited for that, or are you more excited for the prospect of a new Metallica record? Keyword is. Back in the day, <laughs> <laughs> so tell me more. I, I I would have been excited back in the day. Okay, uh, but uh, it's just too expensive. It's what 150 bucks a piece. Yeah, you know, and uh, that's just that's just too much. Um, but th- I would love to s- actually see one. You know, but uh, did, did you see the videos of uh, uh, James actually unboxing? Yes. Yeah, you know. And I hate that they just—they're just playing generic music. I wasn't hoping to hear him talk. Yeah, and say, "Oh yeah, we did this, and this is—you know—you got this, and this is really cool," or blah blah blah. You know, but all you hear is like background music of, from from the album. So I thought that kind of sucked, but whatever. But actually, I'm more excited about uh, about uh, new music because I really loved uh, Death Magnetic. I thought it was really good. To me, it was a return to form, and I don't know why you say. Uh, <clears throat> Excuse me, that Lars uh, phoned it in. I think he did some great work on there. So here's 
here, here's, here's, here's why I felt the way I did about Death Magnetic. And so I feel exactly the opposite, right? I'm actually more excited about the box sets because I want to hear all those old garage recordings. I want to hear the stuff they did in the practice room. I want to hear the, those, you know, 30 plus year old cassette tapes because I, I, I've been wanting to hear that for years, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And on Death Magnetic, and now I like since it's come out, I've given a couple more listens and I do feel better about it. But just when it first came out, I'm listening to the drumming and it just felt tired. It didn't feel <laughs> like there's anything innovative or pushing the limits there, right? It just mm-hmm. felt like, okay, guys, what riff are you playing? All right, I'm going to use uh, drum beat A. Remember when I used drum beat A on um, Master Puppets? Oh, wait a what riff are you doing now? Oh, you know, that's drum beat C. That's the one that I used to use on uh, Justice, right? Dicka, dicka, dot, dicka, dot. You know, just whatever. Like, it just felt. I didn't feel like he was trying to do anything new. Well, what, what do you What do you want from him? He's like almost fifty. You know, it's like he he plays what he plays. So I'm you, glad you, you bring that t- up. Are you Are you going to tell me that? Uh, let's say, let me think uh, here. Uh, Phil Rudd ever changed his style? No. So ACDC and Metallica, slightly different bands, right? <laughs> but um, so I, okay. I do Vinnie have a Paul. Vinnie Paul on all the Pantera albums. He plays pretty much the same stuff. Okay. So here, here's my example, because here's where I am a huge Anthrax fan. There's only been like one album where they lost me, and it was like a very m- modern one. I think it was We've Come For You All. Okay. But so the new Anthrax album, like I was excited for worship music when that came out, like what, 2011? And then this next one, and I was so nervous because I'm like, oh, what if this sucks? Because you know when you have a gr- an album that you love, and then the next one is like, ugh. You're so looking forward to it. You, you, sometimes yeah. you get let down, yeah. So the new Anthrax, um, For All Kings, blew me away. And part of it is because Charlie is a better drummer every stinking record. He gets stronger. He gets faster. Like, the fills, the, I'm listening to stuff. I'm like, how is he still pulling this off? And he's the same age as Lars, man. And he's also uh, has medical issues where he can't do shows. So that's a bummer, right? <laughs> so there's a reason, there's a cost to him uh, pushing himself so much. He, uh, you know what? Like I, I don't think it's the, it's the drumming. Like I think just people get old, man. And you figure, how many years of touring, eating like crap on the road, like that's going to add up. I, the only that's person true. that really survived that is Lemmy. And thanks to your show, I know that cancer alone couldn't call Lemmy. He had to bring two friends. Exactly. Right. Mm-hmm. That's how tough Lemmy was. But anyway. Mm-hmm. I digress. But so you've got these guys that can pull this off, you know? Like, that's that's what I want to see. And and here's the deal. Okay, you, if you got to back it, back it off for the live show a little bit, back it off for the live show, but at least give me the recording. Because, I mean, that's what James is doing. If you think, it, listen to the live Metallica recordings, James's voice is not the same as it is on a record. No. And, and that bothers me. Because, like, on the record, it sounds like a cover band doing Metallica songs. Or on the live, on the live records. Like, I'm like, mm-hmm. is that really him? But, yeah. like... When he does, you know, the, the, the actual album, it still sounds like James. You know, he puts that growl, that grit into it. Mm-hmm. But, but that doesn't happen live anymore. You know, and again, I get it. You're getting older. It hurts. But he at least gives it to you on the album. And that's, that's all I want Lars to do. Step it up, man. I want that same hunger, that same hunger of the kid that was bringing the tapes to, um, was, it, was it Johnny Z when they sucked? Was it him or was it somebody else? It's just that, that kid that was take, taking the tapes around and like, no, you suck. Get away. Like, until you can get me something good. He just kept at it, kept at it, kept at it, kept at it. I want that hunger back. Yeah, well, yeah, okay. <laughs> I, 
I think he's doing fine. <sighs> All right. <laughs> I, I, I thought his, you know, he didn't blow me away on Death Magnetic, but I didn't think he was subpar either, you know. So maybe live, he, he's, you know, he's, he's lost a step, but uh, I think he, he did fine on Death Magnetic. See, I, like, and again, like, ch- like, Charlie, for me, has been like the gold standard for drummers. Like, I think Charlie can hang with any of the modern drummers that are out there. Yeah, pro- probably. You yeah. know, and but I mean, like Lars, I, I think I would have to start retiring Lars to the classic rock section. <laughs> like, I just, I, I don't think he could hang with all with all the new guys. I think in the studio he's fine, but I think yes, live he, he's uh, he's lost a step, live for sure. And like even like on the, oh heck, what was the what was the tour? Worship music, the worship music tour. Mm-hmm. Like I remember, you know, getting that record, loving it. I'm like, so what's this going to sound like live? And but Nate's just a beast live. I'm mm. like he plays it faster and harder. I'm like how is this possible? Now like you said, okay, he has medical issues. Whoops. <laughs> you know, maybe it's too much. But I you know, any he also has like, triggers, you know. but you know. Oh, don't 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 ruin it for me. Like this <laughs> don't tell me Santa Claus isn't real. Don't tell me the Easter bunny isn't real. Don't ruin these things for me. Don't 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 tell you Charlie Benante uses triggers. I don't want to know. La 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 la. <laughs> Man. I just I am so jazzed to to hear the old stuff. Like I mean, like 150 bucks. You're right for a set, pricey. And I'm considering um, if I can because I'm I'm going to try and get up early and go to the one record store um, downtown here called Monster Music. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm considering the which one the Ride the Lightning set. I like the Kill 'Em All album better, or like for me at least. But I like the bonus material on Ride the Lightning better. I think there's going to be more interesting things on that one. Uh, for me, yeah, if I had to pick, uh, Ride the Lightning is my favorite Metallica album. So that that would be my pick. But uh, I thought they were, those were just uh, online orders only. Are you sure they're going to have them in the store? Yeah, I really thought they were in the store. I, uh, I hope it's not online. I only. thought it was only online orders. Ah, so I, think, I think the, the, live, uh, the live album at the, the, at the Bataclan is the the one you're going to get in the store? Okay, but but uh, well, maybe I don't know. I may be misinformed. Find out. Well, I hope it's not just online. But hey, if it is, then maybe I'll think about that too. So tell so tell me when you go to record store day in your area. Yeah, uh, is it a long line to get in? How how is it? So um, my first record store day ever was here in South Carolina, and last year was at a place called Cats Music. Mm-hmm. It. Um, there was a line, probably about 10 or 12 people, which for that store, for the size of that store, that was a pretty long line. Okay. You know, like, like it was pretty, because it, it's a tiny store. Um, they're no longer there. Um, short story, their landlord didn't renew their lease. Um, I don't blame the landlord, right? The landlord's trying to, like, kind of refinish the, um, the, the, the mall, and that store just didn't fit with mm-hmm. the refinish kind of thing. Gotcha. So, not shocked. Now, everybody, now, apparently they were affiliated with this monster I'm going to go to. I've never been to Monster, but um, these guys apparently do a lot of events throughout the year. Like, they hold, like, different vinyl shows and all sorts of things. Okay. So I'm anticipating there being a crazy crowd if I go for like opening at eight o'clock on Saturday morning. Yeah, see that's the problem here. The the one store here that actually does that. Well, the the one that I do know does it. <laughs> There's one that I know does not do anything with record store day. There's a third one that they probably do something, but I don't know how the crowds it. But the one 
that I, the store that's closest to me that I love going to, Park Avenue. Park CDs Avenue, yeah. At uh, on Kareen Drive. <laughs> Is it seriously <laughs> you know, on Kareen Drive? It's on it's on Kareen Drive in Orlando. That's hysterical. Uh, and the thing is, it's it's not a huge store, but for a record store day, people are fanatic. You'll have a line of 150 people. Oh, yeah. And that's me going at like 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Wow. <laughs> you know, and they, they they hand out wristbands, you know, and so that you don't lose your spot. And uh, it's it's crazy. It's crazy. So wow. unless you're there at like, you know, 5 in the morning to get in line. It's you know, that intense? Nothing. Wow. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're they're huge on vinyl at that store. And uh, their vinyl section now is as big as their CD section. That's awesome. And uh, you know, it's, it's slowly expanded over the years. But yeah, yeah, and, uh, and, and they used you know they call Park Avenue CDs. So they started in the CD era, <laughs> and now they sell practically more vinyl than CDs. So, but yeah, that place is just crazy. And uh, and they do events. Uh, they have food trucks out when uh, when they do this this stuff. They do uh, vinyl shows too. You know, in the front of their store. Um, they have sp- guys that come in with small uh, print presses, you know, where they can do, they can print a t-shirt in front of you. Yeah. You That's know, the, killer. Yeah. Like silkscreen. So yeah. 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 yeah so they, they, they do all sorts of cool stuff like that. And they, they, they do it in conjunction with all the stores around. There's little restaurants around and stuff and everybody jumps in, you know, so that's why it's so, so popular here. That's awesome. It's funny because Monster Music is doing the same thing. They have three different food trucks. They were going to have live music in the parking lot from like mm-hmm. noon to seven, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, but like I have to, I have to work like uh, ten to seven that day. Oh, so that's why I'll be getting up to go for eight o'clock, hoping I can get in. I would try and get there by uh, six if I were you. Uh, yeah, we'll see. Like I was going to call the store and see how crazy they think it's going to be because that's what I did with Cats last year, and I was able to get the um, oh, what Metallica released last year. The tape. Was that, wasn't the cassette? Yeah. yeah, No Life to Leather, the, yeah. the cassette. And so that that was my main focus last year, was getting that cassette. Mm-hmm. And I walked in, sat, found it right away, snatched it up. Um, you know, And then I walked around, I found all kinds of other stuff. I walked out with a bunch of stuff that day. Mm, cool. Cool. Yeah, I don't, I don't. I don't really partake in that. I, I, go, I go like a few days later, and then you always have extra stuff. They still have stuff from the past years. That they oh, yeah. Sell. Yeah, I noticed you know. that at Cats too when I would go later. But uh, yeah. so, do you do you go, do you like the free comic book day stuff, or do you avoid those too? No, that I do. All right, I, I do that stuff. Yes. Mm-hmm. As that one, I went to that one for the first time in this area, and that one is crazy here. Yeah, I don't know how many stores do you have around you. Do you have a lot of comic book shops. Or? I think we have two or three, and okay. there's there's one really big one that I want to get to. It's called Captain's Comics. I haven't had a chance yet. There's okay. one. So here's here's what's funny. The one that's near me is called Soundwave Music and Movies. Mm-hmm. There's not a single music or movie in the store. It's all comics. <laughs> so I don't know if he started as a CD shop. Like, I never really got to talk to the owner that much. Could oh, be. son of a gun. He's holding a comic for me, and I forgot to go get it. Uh-oh. And I was saying this out loud. I need to swing by and get it. But um, the owner is um, super cool. Like, super, super cool guy, you know, like, I, I've gone in with the kids recently, and, you know, he's doesn't mind kids in the store, and, you know, because mm-hmm. some people get antsy and all that sort of yeah. stuff, but, yeah. you know, my kids are fairly well-behaved, but, um, <clears throat> you know, as, as a parent, you're always nervous, but, yeah. you know, so the kids and I go in, you know, I can find books for me, books for them, and, like, Free Comic Book Day last year was so packed, like, there was a line just to get to the free comic books, yeah, and it was it was 
like it just wound the whole way through the store and through because yeah, I mean they had the tables of the back issue boxes and all that sort of stuff, like mm-hmm. standard stuff. Yeah, it, it was crazy. The thing is, is that a lot of a lot of uh, people who are non collectors just show up for that day just to get free comics. Oh yeah. So you know, so the crowd, you know, from the normal crowd they would get, it's at least tripled and quadrupled just for because of the freeloaders. <laughs> so, but we're we're fortunate here in Orlando. There's. I think Orlando. I mean, this is. I'm being serious here. Yeah. I think is the 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 city in the United States that has the most uh, stores per capita. Really? Yeah. There's like 15 stores here. Wow. It's, it's crazy. Just in my area, I can I can think of uh, five stores just in my general area within within uh, 10 miles. That's awesome. Holy cow. Yeah. So what 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 I do is I I go I go to one. I pick up a few books that I want, and if they don't have everything, all the ones that I want, I'll go to a different one, and then oh, okay, then they, I'm still missing one. I'll go because you know you have a limit; you can't take one of everything because, you know, the the retailers have to pay for those books. Yeah, they 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 they, they get them for cheap, but they still pay for them. So you know, so sometimes if I want to get copies from my grandson or whatever, then you know I'll get I'll I'll grab I'll go to different stores and <laughs> grab extra copies. So I always wind up with a huge stack. But yeah, I love it just because for me it's a way to get into new stories. Because like I'm yeah. I'm still I'm more of the casual comic book fan, mm-hmm. and so um, <clears throat> back in Pennsylvania we had a great store that I used to go to Pittsburgh Comics. <clears throat> a buddy of mine owned it, and so I go down and since he knew me so well, like I had a couple things that I had you know on subscription every month. But um, as other stuff came in, he'd pull it, put it in my folder, and surprise me. Mm-hmm. So that's how like I got the Glenn and Henry comics. Yeah. <laughs> right. You had you had those, right? I think you yeah, I have, those. I have that. Yeah. Yeah. I think those are some of the funniest comics I've ever read. Like I just find those hysterical, you know, because yeah. it's so anti their character, like especially like the Hollow Notes thing with having Hollow Notes as their neighbor is Satanist, you yes. know, <laughs> sacrificing their dog. Like I'm just like I'm in tears <laughs> reading this stuff, you know. But, it was just cool because this guy just, you know, he knew all my tastes because we know each other for like probably 20 years at that point. Oh, wow. Okay. And so okay. like, you know, uh, when the Kiss stuff came out, I didn't even have to call and ask. It just showed up in my folder. Yeah, yeah. You know, like it was cool. So I, I haven't found that kind of relationship down here yet, but I don't have any shops. Like the um, Soundwave is pretty close to me, but like Captain's, I have no idea where it is. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm still getting my bearings down here, you know? Google, Google. Oh, I know, but it's just find the time, man. You know, I got yeah, I know. young kids, like, you know, your only time's on the weekend. True. You know, like, my biggest beef is just the guitar shops. Like, there's a few indie shops. Uh, the one has a decent inventory, but the owner, I just can't get a read on them. Oh, okay. And then, um, like, my best shop, believe it or not, has been Guitar Center, a major chain. Wow. Which I would have never thought and like i don't want to like it because i want that small indie store but every time i go in the guys are good they know their stuff you know like it's and i i don't know if you see any of my my facebook picture pictures lately but i kind of look like mr rogers right <laughs> yes so nobody's gonna think i'm a metalhead uh-huh. or have you know and i certainly don't have the chops i had so if i sit down to play something it doesn't sound that great like i i know it you yeah. know so when I'm saying I'm going for this kind of sound, they all just kind of look at me weird. And like the the last pedal that I got, the um, the Big Muff, the kid's like, it's like, oh, well, what kind of stuff do you like? I'm like, well, I said, I grew up Metallica, I roll, right? Because he's like in his 20s. Uh-huh. I said, but current bands I'm listening to, Dillinger, Escape Plan, Tony Danza, Tap Dance Extravaganza, and he just 
lit up like a Christmas tree, man. He got all excited. He's like, whoa, that's the stuff I was growing up on. Oh, yeah, man. And so then, boom, we connected. He's like, here's what you need. And I'm like, there we go. You know, I just had to get my street cred up. Exactly. But so that kind of leads me into the rant that I put down at the end of our thing here. Um, and ties into, and I can't remember which episode it was that you, oh, your sub, sub, sub genres um, oh, episode yes. you guys did. <laughs> The uh-huh. math metal, man. So, Tony Danza, um, Dillinger Escape Plan, and I don't know if the, who else is considered, but ma- math metal. What? what like, 3.14. Pi. Math. Like, seriously? Like, math well, metal? That's, well, that's what we were joking about, but, uh, I, okay. Now, I'm sure that somebody at some point is going to say, oh, you got it all wrong, man. But to, to me, math metal, what I was always told yeah. is that it's it's just weird time signatures uh, like they'll, they'll they'll have a certain time signature and then they'll switch for something totally different. And you're like, well, how the heck did they get to there from here? You know, and then there's a lot a lot of uh, stop stop and go, and you know, it, it's it's complicated music. It's very technical, and not technical in the power metal sense, but technical as in you know a lot of like I said, stop and go and and changing t- weird time signatures and and a lot of screaming. There's a lot of screaming going on in that stuff. So that that's what I understand is math metal. Now, so, if you ask Corrine for her, it's pie and oh, know. she cracks me up. She was <laughs> killing me. Because uh, the thing is, is that uh, you know, Corrine, uh, our, our co-host, she uh, she just went back to college, and she is a heavy duty math head, not a meth head, a math head. <laughs> Good clarification, you know, because she, you know, uh, listen to her on the show, it could go either way. You know, if if you're her friend on Facebook, she'll post stuff like screenshots of what she's doing, you know, and I'm like, oh my God, I have a headache just looking at this one page that she's working on and she's loving it, you know, so, That's cool. so we, we, we tease her about, you know, being a, a math head and uh, actually I posted on her, her Facebook page, somebody uh, did a, uh, uh, it's kind of a meme, but it's it's a, a parody of the Kill em All cover. Yeah. Instead of saying Metallica at the top, it says uh, Mathematica. <laughs> Okay. And then, uh, and then something about I can't remember what the what the title is, but it has a, something about math. And it, and and instead of seeing the hand with the hammer, it's a hand writing on a chalkboard an equation. <laughs> okay, I'll look that so one she up. she she loved it. <laughs> oh, dude, that's funny. So yeah, so math metal, yeah, it's it's just weird, very technical and uh, short songs too, aren't they? Aren't, those, aren't the songs kind of short? Like oh, Dillinger, not Dillinger, man. Dillinger's got some intense, intense long songs. Like one of my favorite songs off of um, One of Us is the Killer. And I screw this title up every time. It's either How I Lost My Bet or When I Lost My Bet. Okay. It is, it, and it's a, just such a great kind of opening kind of song. It's because it's got this nice, like, light jazz beat kind of going with the odd time signatures. And just when they come in, just uh, the guitar hits, they kick, you know hit the kick drum, and they, um, I can't remember the lead singer's name, but he's just screams like, Rah! You know, and I don't mm-hmm. know what he's saying, but it's just like, whoa. Like, I remember the first time I heard this, I'm like, oh, wow. Because <laughs> I, like, love those guys, right? Uh-huh. And the thing is, like, so I, I studied, I went to music school, I studied music, and I've said for years, music is very mathematical. But to call uh-huh. it mathematical, I think it's just ridiculous. <laughs> I really do. Like, like, you know, because this whole changing time signatures, making this stuff difficult thing... Mm-hmm. Um, one, it's not exclusive to metal, and two, it's not new. So there's this guy yeah. you, may, you may have heard of him, maybe not. Uh, Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart, may, may, yeah, may, maybe, maybe rings a bell. <laughs> all right, you know him and this other guy, uh, Johann Sebastian Bach. 
Um, they, they've done some things with time signatures that weren't standard. You know, a couple things like that happen. Mm-hmm. And then even in the early 20th century, like, um, you, you ever hear of John Cage? No. So John Cage, real famous for, um, I consider John Cage to be like the father of industrial, like kind of what Nine Inch Nails did with like the noise and all that sort of stuff. Or, or even like, um, would it be Throbbing Gristle was like kind of like the, the noise industrial kind of stuff. Okay. Um, but so John Cage, modern composer, and he was really pushing just time signatures and sounds and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, like he had this piece for piano where he would, um, you know, he writes the notes out, but to play the piece properly, you have to jam uh, specific objects in specific strings at specific places to create the correct tone, overtone, or whatever else he's going for. So, yeah. like, you remember when you were playing guitar, you could um, play, like, above the fifth fret and stop it and get, like, a harmonic? Yep. Okay? He, w- he would figure out how to jam an eraser in the um, piano strings to get those kind of sounds. Oh, okay. Right? And, I mean, like, th- this guy, he was doing... Brilliant stuff. Some of it sounds amazingly beautiful. Some of it sounds like a piano falling down the stairs, right? (laughs) But one of his most famous pieces was called Four Minutes and 33 Seconds, where the um, performer comes out, sits at the piano, and at timed intervals, turns the page of the sheet music. Okay. And that's it for four minutes and 33 seconds. The whole point was that the audience was going to get uh, antsy and they're going to start shuffling and coughing and moving and you know your stuff's going to crinkle. The audience was was the piece. They they were the music. Oh, okay. You know, and again, this is like some brilliant stuff, right? Just like he was really really pushing things out there. So I mean, doing these crazy time signatures and crazy things is not new and exclusive to metal. No, but I love the direction they're taking it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, like like I, I I love these bands. Like I, I love the sounds, the extreme, like Danza. They always had this. Like, I, I don't even know how to describe it well, but they always have that real high squeaky kind of thing in there. That yeah. like it's, I, I don't know if they're using a harmony pedal. Um, I I was so bummed when they when they broke up. Like when they put out that last album and called it. I'm like, man. Did you ever see them live? Nope, because I was literally just getting into them. Like okay. um, on the third album, Danza Three, the series of unfortunate events. Like I heard Walls, I'm like, oh jeez, I've got to find these guys. So then, I, th- I think I was still in Pittsburgh at the time. Never came through that I, that I was aware of. Mm-hmm. And then when Danza Four came out, uh, the Alpha, the Omega, that was it, and they didn't tour it. Oh, okay. It was like pre-order, which I did. It's the first album I think I pre-ordered in years. You know, you liked it that much. Yeah, a dude. Oh, I love it. It's a great record. I still love it. You know, now here's what's really funny. I found out later I was living in Tennessee when these guys started up at Middle Tennessee University. Oh, okay. I was living like right down the street from them at the uh, the university. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, you got to be kidding me. And the thing is, I remember seeing. There and then when I moved back to Pix- uh, Pittsburgh, now I sound like a Pittsburgher. I can't believe I just said that. <laughs> Pittsburgh, when I moved back, um, like I remember seeing them come through, but I thought it was a joke. Okay. When you see the Tony Danza tap dance extravaganza, I, I remember seeing that name come through on shows. I'm like, oh my goodness, who is this? What, what in the world? Uh-huh. You know, not realizing that what? I would go on to love this band. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> 
yeah. So like kicking myself. I could have seen him so many times. Yeah, I mean, Missed gosh, you, you were down the street. Oh, I know. I like. I could have you seen could've, them like you, when they were forming. You could have freaking been become their freaking friend. Ah, <laughs> oh. I go see them practice. Yeah. I know. I know. Oh man, that's crazy. It would have been awesome. So, so real quick, uh, yeah. according to Google, math metal is a derivative of technical metal using rhythmically complex guitar-based style of experimental rock music that emerged in the late 80s. It's characterized by complex, atypical rhythmic structures, including irregular stopping and starting, angular melodies, breakdowns, and dissonant chords. I agree with everything about that, except for the calling it math metal. <laughs> what would you call it? I, I don't know. You know what? That, like, like Snowy says? It's metal. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like that's kind of <laughs> how I feel. It's like, do we need this many subgenres? I, like, it's it's funny. Like, I'm listening to to you guys do that show, and I'm like, I was agreeing with so many things. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm with you guys. Like, preach it, brother. You know. Mm-hmm. But just like, like I I could just lump it under extreme metal. Like it's just, yeah. you yeah. know, to me to me it's extreme metal. It's yeah. when I heard the term, I was like, but 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 it's extreme. So what isn't it extreme metal? <laughs> that's how I feel. You know. Yeah. That's all right. All right, man. So. Let's start wrapping things up here. Um, sure. How about you go ahead and like uh, plug all the stuff you guys got going on? Ooh, well, like I said earlier, um, we have our latest episode that just came out. It's an interview with uh, Woody of uh, Corrosion of Conformity and uh, that the Snowy did over the phone. And uh, that's episode 405. Uh, where, where are you at in the episodes so far? Great question. Let me let me check my. I'm app. just curious because we, we we have a joke now that we started doing uh, with the the uh, episode numbering, where uh, a lot of these numbers right now that are coming up sound like area codes to me. Oh jeez. Okay. So uh, <laughs> so uh, depending on what the uh, the episode uh, number is, uh, well, we are live from that area. So we've been live from Alberta. We've been live from. Oh, that's a that's a good joke. I like from, that. Uh, Oklahoma. Uh, 405 is somewhere in Oklahoma. <laughs> so Yeah, you know what? I am just on episode 400 now. Okay. Oh, the Doro episode. Yep. Yes. Yep. I, yes. And I think I just started it because I'm, I'm like barely, barely into it. Yes, that was a ton of stuff. That was a big milestone for us. We were very, uh, very happy to uh, to reach that milestone. And uh, we have Doro Pesh uh, on the episode. I was able to schedule an interview with her. And it, the, the timing was could not have been more perfect to have a legend like her on our 400th episode and uh, such a sweet sweet lady oh my goodness so nice uh, but you know if you listen to the episode you'll hear all the whole story about that how how that day went down um so yeah so we uh we do mostly interviews we call them creature features <laughs> uh and uh, we we cover anything from from kiss to hardcore to cannibal corpse to Porno grind, unfortunately. <laughs> you guys have even dabbled in hair metal, and I and I've been surprised with that because when I first started wow. listening, I never thought you guys would get there, but but more and more, you know, you guys are softening with your old age. Well, no, I, I've I've always liked hair metal. Snowy does not. Well, I, that's what I mean. Snowy's softening, like yeah, you're, you're wearing them down. Well, like you said, he's getting the uh, the hair metal stick out of his, you know what? Yeah, he said that on the show. That was great. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, he's a he's a he's a what's the word? He's a softening his stand. <laughs> so, yes. But yeah, so we we cover everything. We've done interviews with 
any everybody from the 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 most underground band that that you've never never heard of, uh, all the way up to the Scorpions. You know, that's the, the biggest interview we've done was with uh, James Kotak of of the Scorpions. We've talked to Henry Rollins, and you, I know you have too. Yep. Uh, you know, uh, uh, Doro Pesh, like I said. I mean, um, we have an upcoming episode with uh, Malika. She is the singer of uh, Abnormality. They are. They just got signed to Metal Blade, and uh, you listen to her in the interview. She has this sweet, innocent voice, you know, really. And when you hear her growl, you would think it's a man. That's awesome. I mean, usually, you know, female growlers, you can tell it's a woman. You know, there's there's always a little little bit of that retained in the voice. Her, no, you think it's a man. So, but uh, we do specialty episodes once in a while. You were talking about the the sub subgenre episode that we did. We discussed all the all the subgenres and what we thought about them. Um, you know, we 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 did recently a what if episode also. Uh, what if uh, this or that had not happened? Uh, would would the course of heavy metal have changed? You that know? was a killer so, episode. I wish I could have been on that one because yeah. I was talking to my my radio the whole time and listening to it. I'm like, no, <laughs> no, what about this? Oh yeah. <laughs> I know, I know. I do that all the time with other podcasts. <laughs> yeah, and uh, like we mentioned uh, earlier also, we do, uh, for your listeners, I think what they would be the most interested in is our album autopsy series. Um, basically, what we do is we we pick a classic album, and you know, there's a lot of podcasts out there that do this. They'll take an album, they'll talk about each song, and that's pretty much it. You know, they'll, they'll say if they, you know, they give the album a rating, and, and that's it. But what we do is we invite somebody who actually playing or working on the album so for example we did uh, trouble the the first album uh, trouble's first album well we invited uh, bill metoyer the producer we had uh, um, jeff olson the drummer and we had eric wagner the singer on the album so and then we go through the whole history of the album you know okay uh you this was your first album it's 30 years old um how did you get signed? You know, uh, writing the songs. How, what was the process you were doing back then? Uh, then, okay, you got to the studio. Was this was this your first time in the studio? Um, you know, how did you record this? And why I'm hearing this effect here. How did you achieve that? You know, it's all this kind of stuff, all this background stuff. And then we go, you know, like I said, we go song by song. We talk about each song, the lyrics, and then after that, we depending on what album it is, we sometimes we'll talk about the touring or the videos, music videos that they released for to promote the album. And, uh, you know, it's always a lot of fun. Uh, those, those episodes tend to be long, and more and more now we have to do, do them in two parts. And they're so good, man. Um, like, that oh, Trouble episode, like, I had no idea who Trouble was, didn't know anything about this record, oh, and really? I was just captivated. Oh, like, like the questions you were asking, like, you know, again, for, like, for my listeners that enjoy the, the behind the scenes, how we make the music, how we get the sounds, that was just in a fascinating look at album construction and just the questions you were asking were just like just really really good questions for that and you're really pulling the stuff out of those guys yeah i i, I put a lot of work into those into those episodes because i really want to dig deep because I, I i'm a nerd i like to know everything you know it's a, a, from an album that i like you know so you know we've done the crowbar the, the their self-titled album with kirk winstein we've done raven the, the album all for one with john gallagher exciter uh, Long Live the Loud. You know, some of these are kind of obscure albums, but we did uh, Slaughter, uh, Stick It To You with Mark Slaughter, you know, which is one of the hair metal episodes that you're probably thinking, it's like, what the heck? <laughs> I enjoyed that more than I thought I was going to. It was it was fun. Mark was really cool. and uh, Killer dude. Yeah, I had no idea he was a shredder. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. I had no idea. Oh, oh yeah. He's good. He's good. Um, and I love the stories of uh, uh, Ozzy, you know, peeing in his car. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That was amazing. <laughs> and the sound that the honking sound that you hear in one of the songs is his car and blah, blah, blah. You know, that's the type of stuff that we get into. It's like, where did you get that? That's. That car horn sound. Oh well, that was my car, you know. And oh, and Ozzy pissed in my car. You know, <laughs> and so all these, all these, these little tidbits. Um, we did Dangerous Toys, their first album, and for that we got both Jason McMaster, the vocalist, and Scott Dal Hoover, the guitarist. And as a bonus, in the second part, we also got the artist that actually created the, that killer clown design, uh, Tommy Pons who is a stellar artist who's done stuff for Kiss, and uh, he's hoping to do some work for Iron Maiden. Uh, I think he's been contracted to do some stuff for Iron Maiden. But oh, that's the, awesome. Yeah, the guy is like a total, you know, oh, he's got so many stories. But, you know, so that's, 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 that's what we do in album autopsies. You know, we love doing these. It's been a little while since we've done one because it's so much work. And uh, right now I'm in my busy season at work, so it's it's very hard for me to sit down and actually because I have to listen to these albums like four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten times, you know. And I listen to each song in detail, and then I take notes and <laughs> and I write down my questions. So uh, they they're, they're very uh, labor intensive, but man, the reward is so so great. So yeah. so yeah. So if you want to check us out, it's radioactivemetal.org. Uh, if you want to check out those episodes, in particular the album autopsies, on the right-hand side you'll see a bunch of categories. You just click on album autopsy and all those episodes will, will come up. Or you can just do a search in the search bar. Um, uh, we are on Facebook, facebook.com slash radmetal. We're on Twitter uh, at radmetal666. We're on Instagram at radioactivemetal. Um, what else? Uh, oh, we're, uh, we uh, play live. We're live every – well, not – live it's pre-recorded but every thursday night on purerockradio.net we we are syndicated so there's we've got that going on and um i guess i will share with you and this is uh we talk about this in the latest episode um you know what the juno awards are uh aaron i feel like i've heard about it uh, yeah because you guys have talked about it on the show before yeah it's the canadian equivalent of the grammy yeah 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 okay so we were a judge this year for the No way. Yes, we were judges for that this year. That's awesome. So we talk about that in this uh, latest episode with uh with uh, the that uh, has the uh, corrosion of conformity uh, interview. So well, we, like we go a little bit into the process. We don't, You're a big deal. This is great. Yeah, so you know, uh we we were asked out of the blue. <laughs> so That's awesome. Yeah, so uh but yeah, that's what we do. Extreme metal to hard rock and hard, a lot of hardcore. Uh, Snowy's a big hardcore fan, so uh, so check us out. You know, it's uh, I think uh, you 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 may like us, but we're a little extreme. Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I you know, and I I think most of my listeners probably enjoy it because you guys do run the gamut, and it's funny like um, because like there there are times where you know I can tell that you are totally not into it, but Snowy is. <laughs> And I'm like, no, no, I'm with Snowy. And then there's times where like you're totally into it, and Snowy's not. I'm like, no, no, I'm with Rock. Like I'm like right down the middle with you guys. <laughs> yes, you can kind of tell who uh, <laughs> who's into what. <laughs> yeah. And Corrine, well, Corrine is like 20 years younger than me, so she's a totally different generation. So there's a lot of the when we talk about the older stuff, well, she has no experience with it, so she's kind of quiet during those parts. But let me tell you, when she participates. <laughs> It's a hoot and a half. It is priceless. She is and, so much fun. And I got to tell you, this week, we really gave it to her. And <laughs> uh, 
Okay, I'll I'll give you. Can I give you a uh, homework to do, uh, Aaron? Um, sure. Okay, when you get a chance, go on Google and Google Glenn Benton wife. That's all I'm going to say. Okay, I'm writing this down. You know who Glenn Benton is? Oh, dude, Deicide. Yeah, the main guy in Deicide. So when you get a chance, and uh, let me know what you think, what what you find. So when you guys interview Glenn Benton uh, in Sanford. Yeah, um, you're talking about like the cross that's burned into his forehead. Like I remember when he first did that. <laughs> I know. <laughs> like um, I I never I never got to see them live. They they came came through Pittsburgh, played a place called City Limits. It was mm-hmm. a great venue to see a show because you get smack up against there. Yeah. But um, he was just insane. One of my uh, my my buddy Mark went, and Mark's like he's like no he used his like I can't remember how he described the voice. But I guess he used like his high screechy voice and didn't use enough of the growl voice. Like, no, I want to hear the growl. Mm-hmm. So, but I, I remember those first two DSI records, most of, some of the most intense stuff I'd ever heard of that, oh, at yeah. that time. You know? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I did that When we did that interview with him, it was my first time seeing them because I'm not a huge fan. Yeah. But uh, I'm glad I got to see them because they're, they're, they kick ass live. They're really, really good. Really intense stuff. So That's some killer stuff. Yep. Yep. So check this out. We've almost gone as long as a radioactive metal podcast. Oh, are you serious? Yeah, oh we're about an hour God. and a half, which is kind of exciting. And with no music, and because we had music. <laughs> I know. We've been we've been yakking this whole time. Right? Oh, I'm sorry. No, are you kidding? This is a good time, man. <laughs> it's it's funny, though, because like I love listening to your show, but part of the reason I'm behind is it takes me forever to get through an hour and a half episode. Yeah, yeah, I understand. You yeah. know? Yeah, I mean, believe me, I fight the good fight. When I can get up and walk, that's when I get the most stuff done. My neighborhood must think I am insane because I'll be walking around talking to you guys. So like, <laughs> well, I got my headphones in, so they ha- they have to think I'm the crazy guy in the neighborhood. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. We, we we need to get you on the show more often. Hey man, I'm, I'm available. Like I would love to be on. <clears throat> All right, so we are going to wrap this up. So Rock, thank you for being on the show. You're welcome. Um, thank you for having me. Oh, dude, anytime, man. You're welcome anytime as well. So remember, RadioactiveMetal.org to check out Rock Show, to check us out, SignalToNoise.fm. I'm on um, Facebook, Twitter, what's the other thing? Instagram as SGNL, the number 2NZ, so Signal to Noise, kind of abbreviated like that. I'll be honest, guys, I'm on Twitter and Instagram more because Facebook just, like, I can't handle the drama on Facebook anymore. Facebook like, is the devil. It really is, man. Like I just can't stand it. Like I like I like Instagram because it's pictures of guitars and it's whatever I want <laughs> and like it's not as crazy political and ranty and all that sort of stuff. And then Twitter, you know, I mean, you know, you me and Corrine, if 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 anybody is listening and now wants to wonder who I've been talking to when I do some of the some of the crazy things that I say over Twitter, it's it's <laughs> yeah. to Rock and Corrine. So um, feel free to join in with us. You know, start yes. listening to Radioactive Metal so you know the nutsy stuff we're talking about. And the, and the Metal Chicks Rock. Also. Yes. That, yeah. that, that's Kareem. Yeah. So, you know, that that's really, you know, if you guys want to hit me up on social media, let me know how you like the show. You know, go say hi to Rock over at Rad Metal 666. That's it, right? Rad Metal 666 for right. Twitter. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So until next time, guys, make some noise. <laughs>